From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Australia's airlines have been hit hard by the COVID-19 outbreak and they're asking the government for billions of dollars in financial support. Now there's a debate over whether the industry should be nationalised. Today, Royce Kermilovs on whether it's time the government took back control of our airlines. Royce, almost every sector of the economy has been impacted in some way by COVID-19, but you focused on the airline industry in your story for the Saturday paper. Tell me why. So when looking at the story, it really began as a kind of a global story that came local when some of the airlines began making it public that they were in trouble as the COVID-19 crisis began to spread. All Qantas flights from Sydney to Ballina, Bendigo, Broome, Hamilton Island, Mildura, Orange, the Sunshine Coast and Toowoomba, a lot of Jetstar domestic flights are also going in regional areas. The global pandemic has grounded a recently soaring airline industry, leaving planes idle in a chain of parking lots stretched around the globe. I mean, around the world, as countries have been locking down their borders, this means that you know, people can't travel anymore, the numbers of passengers begin to drop. And for airlines, which are particularly exposed to debt, to market forces, this became almost an existential threat. Airlines have cancelled thousands of flights. Etihad, Emirates and more than 50 airlines have stopped flying at all. The global airline industry has been felled by the COVID-19 pandemic as international borders close and cities shut down. Behind the scenes, both of the bigger companies, Qantas and Virgin, were talking to the government and were quietly saying that they were in trouble. Together, Qantas, you know, the national carrier, employs about 30,000 people. Virgin Australia, its main competitor, employs about 10,000 people. When it became clear that you know, everything was being locked down and entire economies were being turned off and passengers started falling away, both airlines immediately made moves to stand down that workforce. Qantas stands down 20,000 workers and grounds more than 150 aircraft until May in the wake of the crisis. While some staff will be... For Qantas, it was somewhere in the region of 20,000 employees. For Virgin, it was 8,000 employees. That's a huge amount of workers who have lost their incomes across just a couple of businesses. So can you tell me a bit about the, the government support that's been offered so far? So that first package that came out around two weeks ago, the the broad strokes of it is $715 million was set aside to assist the airlines. It was made up of various measures. There was you know, a direct cash payment, which would help um, basically reduce the cost of operating existing air routes that the companies were running, and that were becoming increasingly expensive as the number of uh, passengers fell away. And then there was a series of other incentives to try and help them out to keep them running through the crisis. And this was particularly contentious because even now, the, uh, there's been no mention about any conditions placed upon that assistance, about how the companies may have to treat their workers. And that's kind of become a bit of a sticking issue right now. And so, Royce, the kind of support that the government has announced, is it enough? The short version is no, it's not enough. The government projections are that this crisis will last up to a period of six months with a possible lockdown of three weeks or thereabouts. If you're losing passenger numbers for that long, I mean, both Virgin and Qantas have, have reported that They've lost between 80 and 90% of their regular passenger numbers to date. This leaves these businesses heavily exposed to this crisis. So will Qantas survive this? What it's looking like is that no airline industry in the world will be able to survive it and that in order to keep going, they'll require some kind of direct intervention by government, either in the form of nationalisation or a pretty significant bailout. 
Okay. So what are the airlines themselves saying? So Alan Joyce is the current CEO of Qantas. This conversation around nationalization began a couple of weeks ago and Joyce uh, immediately leapt on the opportunity to attack his rival Virgin Australia. I was leaked audio from someone who recorded Alan Joyce talking to his workforce. And I'm sure we'll get through this better than any other airline group. Can I also, I might make mention... Essentially, he begins by telling them that he expects Qantas to get through this crisis in a good state, um, that it will, be, it will be fine thanks to its billion-dollar cash cushion. Uh, we think everybody is, is, is entitled to a fair go. And if the government is helping, uh, it should help an industry, not a particular company. But then he then departs onto a bit of a segue where he starts talking specifically about Virgin. That in the press this morning, there were comments in the Australian about the potential for Virgin to be nationalised and getting government support. He says that the company is foreign-owned. Uh, he says that it doesn't deserve to be bailed out. And if it does, that it would be manifestly unfair for the, you know, for the government to bail a version like Qantas. Governments are definitely not there to support a company that's been badly managed for 10 years. A government is definitely not there to support a company uh, that is owned by Singaporeans, Chinese and Abu Dhabi and a British billionaire. But then he goes on to implore his employees, many of whom had already been laid off, and encourages them to write to their local you know, federal members and even to Scott Morrison himself and to basically put the company's case forward and insist that if there is some kind of industry assistance or a bailout, that it includes Qantas too. And it would be outrageous if Virgin or competitors are supported and Qantas isn't. It would be unfair to you, it'd be unfair to the country, and it'd be unfair to the national carrier. So I'd ask you as a call of action to make your position very clear to every politician in this country. We'll be back after this. The Every Moment Matters campaign provides accurate, evidence-based information and advice about alcohol, pregnancy and breastfeeding. It has been created by the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education and endorsed and funded by the Australian Government. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, or FASD, a lifelong disability. So make the moment you start trying the moment to stop drinking. Visit everymomentmatters.org.au to find out more. As a a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for the Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, the Saturday Paper, and you'll receive the Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. Royce, how does Australia's airline industry compare to others around the world? So historically, Australia has privatised its airlines, and which leaves its companies uniquely exposed to essentially recessions and external shocks. Now, that's not the only model. Around the world, you have countries like uh, Singapore, the United Arab Emirates, and even Air New Zealand that are all owned by their uh, by their respective governments. And this allows them to keep functioning in times of crisis. It allows them to ensure that they will have that logistical operation. And for Australia, that kind of really makes sense because it's an incredibly vast landscape. You need to be able to move people from one place to the other, from one isolated city to the next. It also has the potential for the workforce, for people who are looking for stable, good quality jobs into the future. A lot of the decisions that have been made in the past around flexible labour, around the casualisation of the workforce, 
has meant people have seen their paying conditions suffer. And so if this was to be nationalized, if the airlines were to be you know, reconsolidated into one or nationalized um, individually, it would be a chance to ensure that certain conditions are placed on these companies to treat their workers with respect. So protecting jobs and conditions is one benefit of nationalisation. What are the other arguments? So in terms of the arguments in favour of nationalisation, I spoke to economist John Quiggan from the University of Queensland, um, and his response was pretty direct. It was essentially that if the projections are, are true, and this will last for six months, all major airlines are going to be bankrupt. The critical point uh, John Quiggan said was that you know, any ideological objection to this is now gone. It's This crisis has shredded any kind of sense of normalcy or the way the world used to operate. Instead, what's going to happen is because airlines are so important to Australia that the government will have to step in. And in the past, the argument against this was that, well, there simply isn't enough money for that. Now, the $180 billion bailout package is kind of testament that in a, in a crunch, government can imagine this money out of anywhere. So it makes sense to do this now. So what is the Transport Workers Union who represent Qantas staff saying about this? You know, you have the unions talking about this and seeing in it an opportunity to reorganise and reconstruct Qantas and some of these airlines in a way that essentially rebuilds the country's airline industry for the better. Now, I spoke to Michael Caine, who was the union secretary for the Transport Workers Union, and for Michael Caine in particular, this is a good way to tackle the casualization of the workforce, the consequences of which we've seen play out in real time currently, with something like three million casual workers all let go in a sudden crisis. We shouldn't allow aviation to just reset to the old model, but it should be, in a sense, a reboot, uh, a reset with a different character, with um, government taking some ownership and making sure that the appropriate management system and style is in place so that the Australian public um, can always be confident that their aviation sector is strong and it has workers and consumers as the focus. If you were to nationalise these companies, you will be able to then place conditions on how those companies then treat their workers and ensure people get good quality jobs down the track, which kind of reverses the fragmentation of the workforce. So Royce, is nationalisation likely to happen? So the very fact that we are even having the conversation about nationalisation to begin with is uh, is very surprising in the Australian landscape because it is something that was just considered unthinkable previously. Suddenly with the crisis, it's become necessary to talk about this. And what you see is a very interesting political dialogue playing out. Look, um, obviously uh, the economic situation has got worse and we want Australian companies to get through this. Uh, we've the federal treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, appeared on television about two weeks ago saying, look, you know, we're not considering nationalisation right now, but it's something we may have to consider down the track. Well, when it comes to the aviation sector, you're absolutely right. They, it is critical to the Australian economy uh, and, of course, vital to, to the Australian community and their ability to, to move both domestically and internationally. So this is what makes the story all the more compelling and, I guess, symbolic for what happens to Australia will generally be indicated by what happens to Qantas. At some point, nationalisation will have to be talked about seriously and will probably happen in some form. You cannot run Australia without its airlines. That much is true. This is a utility that is necessary to the continued functioning of Australia. And if you lose this infrastructure, as you would if this was simply left to fail, essentially Australia would be in a bad place. How that nationalisation and that bailout process is handled is critical to ensure that the average person isn't left to bear the cost. Royce, thanks so much for your reporting on this. Thank you for having me. 
Winnie Dunn has made a career out of helping others find their literary voice, and now it's her turn in the spotlight. This week on Read This, join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Winnie about her debut. Find it wherever you listen. And the latest in the response to COVID-19. The Federal Health Minister has announced that the daily growth rate of new COVID-19 cases has fallen from 30% at the beginning of March to an average of 9%. More than 230,000 tests have been carried out across the country and the current death toll stands at 19. The Federal Health Minister has announced that the daily growth rate of new COVID-19 cases has fallen from 30% at the beginning of March to an average of 9%. More than 230,000 tests have been carried out across the country and the current death toll stands at 19. The Victorian Police Minister yesterday said that the time for leniency had passed as the government introduced new health orders that severely restrict movement in the state. Residents face significant fines if they leave their house for non-essential reasons. People are still allowed to leave to get food and supplies, medical care, exercise or for work or education. Most other states have introduced similar health orders, while in New South Wales, those found to have breached the orders face up to six months in jail. Major bottle shop chains across Australia are putting limits on the amount of liquor customers can buy in one transaction in a bid to prevent panic buying. Liquorland, Vintage Sellers, Dan Murphy's, BWS and Audi signed up to the voluntary code, with the new limits put in place as of yesterday. Beer, cider and pre-mixed spirits will be limited to two cases and wine to 12 bottles per customer. And the federal government has intervened to save private hospitals on the brink of collapse by announcing $1.3 billion worth of funding to bail them out. In return, the private hospitals will make their 34,000 beds available for COVID-19 patients. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.